Hi, and welcome back to Global Supply Chain Week. I'm Tyler Cole, a Director of Carbon Intelligence at FreightWaves and the host of Net Zero Carbon. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Rick Arens of Smart Freight Center. Rick is coming to us live from Amsterdam. How are you today, sir? Yeah, thanks so much. I'm glad to be here, part of this discussion here, Tyler, and I really look forward to discussing with you um, all about decarbonizing logistics. And it's always a pleasure talking to you, Tyler. It's likewise. I learn so much every time we engage, and my hope today is listeners can do the same. So why don't we kick it off with a brief intro on yourself and let our listeners in on who Smart Freight Center is and what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad to, let's hopefully uh, we can make something that can be shared and something can be learned about uh, decarbonizing logistics, and um, which is where, where Smart Freight Center is all about. So Smart Freight Center is founded in 2013 as the global NGO um, working on decarbonizing logistics operations across the globe. Um, so we work with the big multinationals to really help advance, like how do you set the transparency? How do you set the standard? Um, what solutions do you have available? And how do you collaborate across your sector? Um, I, myself, I, I work across different programs at Smart Freight Center. I'm the program director um, and lead, for instance, our data access and exchange uh, program, which is really about this digitalization processes. Um, but I'm sure we're going to talk much more about this in a minute. Um, but really glad to be here. Definitely, yeah. The the focus I think we need to hone in on today is how data and collaboration can help decarbonize logistics. And that's why, you know, we look to Smart Freight Center as a leader in that space because of the work you've done over the last decade. Maybe briefly, you know, what's been the journey from 2013 founding to now, you know, going through some of the methodologies and programs and then maybe the future direction of what Smart Freight's looking towards? Yeah, no, uh, thanks for asking. And, and, and it has been quite a journey. And I think it's not not only a journey for us, but I think for the whole sector and the industry as a whole. And um, I think the journey started already in 2012, 2013, when this idea was conceptualized. Like, we need to understand what is the baseline of how do you calculate and report your greenhouse gas emissions. And, and in that year, a lot of the different organizations came together and recognized that there is a different methodology for how you calculate and report your emissions. Um, and in Europe, it's different to the US, it's different for road freight, it's different for the marine uh, sector, and different for the aviation sector. And that's where we established the Global Logistics Emissions Council and the GLEC framework. Um, and that was launched in 2016 and, and refreshed in 2019, really setting the international standard uh, and methodology on how do you calculate and report your greenhouse gas emissions from logistics operations across all the modes, across your complete supply chain. Um, and that's, that has been really a, a step change for many organizations to be able also to say, how can we further decarbonize now and set those targets in line with the science-based targets initiative, for instance, uh, where we set the, the transport guidance with them. Um, and if we now look at kind of everyone now reports the greenhouse gas emissions in line with the GLEC framework. Um, but what we see in the future, and, and that's, is that still a lot of organizations still struggle with this. And they really, there's still a lot of, opportunity for kind of explaining this in different training programs and in different uh, guidances in addition to it. For instance, if we talk about the new type of fuels that are coming around, like the biofuels, the HVO, um, as we talk about this in Europe, um, but also if we talk about the electric vehicles and hydrogen, how can those de help decarbonize the sector and, and what's the true impact of this? And um, one thing which we really see and, and what we think is important here is that whenever you talk about this, you don't do this alone, and um, that you do this together with your supply chain. So work with your with with your peers, work with your supply chain directly, 
um, to make those investments and make those kind of changes accordingly. So valuable. And, and you mentioned collaboration, and now we're looking towards not only um, firms working with their suppliers downstream in their supply chain, but it's it's neat to learn the history of Smart Freight was a collaboration among academics, among NGO, among industry, people wanting this common baseline. And now that that's out there and been rolled out, and if, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's going to be part of a forthcoming ISO standard for global multimodal emissions reporting, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we're quite proud of that one that we we are due to, by the end of this year, you'll see the formal release of the forthcoming ISO standard. And um, it, it's only kind of a logical step moving forward from where we have been, like this disjunct connected sector to really unite them and bring them together um, in, in this Global Logistics Emissions Council. Um, but one thing which is I think is really exciting for us as well is that we are looking to work not only at now just setting the standard and, and making that transparency work within the ISO standard and, and, and the GLAC community, um, is that we are founding now the Sustainable Freight Buyers Alliance, where freight buyers really can come together um, and really kind of move in, in, a, in a specific way, concrete that collaboration, catalyze that, work together, share that knowledge, understanding also where the solution pathways go, and collectively drive that decarbonization efforts moving forward. I think that's even more important than just setting the standards as we go forward, as we see now. Um, they'll just, um, yeah, it's going to be a step change to that. So we're really excited that we're going to launch this uh, uh, sustainable freight buyers alliance here. That is really exciting. In my view, I know there's a lot of other sessions in this summit talking about you know, freight procurement and how that's changing. And in my, my opinion, really revolutionizing over the next decade. It's easy to jump and think about, okay, Smart Freight or Sustainable Freight Buyers Alliance, it sounds just like group purchasing and combining, you know, scale and size and density to try and lower costs. That's what we've seen in the past, right? When people try to improve their, their cost and their service by collaborating with shippers to either reduce empty miles or understand, you know, compatible freight profiles. But this sounds a little bit different. This sounds more um, collaborative in the sense that there is a lot of learning, sharing, best practices, trying to drive that understanding through the supply chain. And it's not just about, you know, an annual procurement event that we're trying to match up networks because we all know that that's failing us miserably. No, and of course, procurement is, is a core part to this. Uh, we know that it's, it's, we, we try to, procurement is, is, is a core element of how all of these shippers go about um, decarbonizing their logistics operations and they can work with their supply chains. But you need to be able to set those procurement principles and organize this and, and streamline those solutions as well um, to make that work. And we're really working and we're glad to, to work with bigger partners here to make that clarity in terms of how do you actually embed sustainability within your procurement here? Um, but also how do you kind of collab make that collaboration concrete? Because we, we can always talk about like, yes, I want to work with my supply chain. But how make can we provide that platform here? And um, at Smart Freight Center, we're really looking to have build that platform with our shippers and with the different carriers to make that collaboration really work uh, moving forward. That's exciting. And another great thing I, I enjoy about Smart Freight Center is you're a principles first organization. You're not an actor in the space. So we're really trying to set out first, you know, the methodology and the framework for GLAC. But now as we're looking to build out tools and solution sets to decarbonize. It really is about what are best practices, what do we need to be focusing on, and then letting industry or tech players step up and provide those solution sets for shippers that are looking to decarbonize. In that vein and that idea, 
let's let's pivot from collaboration a little bit and talk about the data, right? We know supply chains are digitizing at a rapid pace. Um, it's an, an untapped area really globally. It's been stuck in the mud <laughs> for decades, you might say, and now we're seeing all these unicorns pop up promising to digitize the supply chains. How important is data uh, and getting good quality data as a shipper looking to decarbonize your network? Yeah, so it's an interesting discussion that we that has been taking place around this importance of data. And one one specific word which I've, I've really enjoyed about was this data specificity. And it's an impossible word to pronounce here almost, but it's so important here. Um, because when we talk about, if we talk about calculating and reporting and understanding and making business decisions about how we decarbonize, and we're talking about using default values, and I've shipped something from the west to the east of, 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 of of the US, and you're only using this default information, and you don't have that accurate, specific data about what journey was taken, which type of vehicle did we use, how much fuel was consumed, how did the driver perform, um, you can't make your decisions well informed. So data is just increasingly becoming more important. Um, and that's why we are also launching this kind of data access and exchange project we've done. Um, and literally last week, um, we published the data access and exchange guidance, um, which is set hopefully going to help harmonize a little bit of the language that we talk about um, in terms of uh, data exchange and uh, cross supply chains. That one's been exciting. It's a riveting read if no one's read it yet. Get online and check it out. FreightWaves is fortunate to be a part of that process. So thank you for letting us participate and contribute. And we look forward to seeing how that gets adopted in industry. Um, we are seeing, you know, as part of that that specific guidance group, you know, there are really interesting integrations and business models that could be made available to that, right? Because you have the difficulty of complex supplier networks that each have their own proprietary set of primary data. And a lot of that data specific to those movements or those equipment or vehicle types or fuel consumptions are needed by the shippers to really report a good, accurate, scope-free emissions number, right? So what have been maybe some of the high-level takeaways from that project about you know, how that data can be better shared and exchanged among um, logistics service providers and their shippers? Yeah, so um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question here. So what we have seen is that there, is, um, there are two sides of the thing in, in that sense. Um, there is, on the one hand, there is the, the technical IT side of things. And which is that one shipper uses multiple logistic service providers and they use 500 carriers again to move their goods across. And getting that IT system integration has been, is, has been and still is for many a real big challenge. Um, and that's where we see big players emerging in terms of providing that visibility. Um, you must all know this kind of Project 44 on one side of things, but in Europe we have Transporian here that really help this kind of, this, this kind of um, showcasing and, and visibility of this data effectively. Um, however, at the same time, we recognize also that there is the, the other flip side of things is the softer side of things. How do we talk about the um, uh, certification schemes? How do we actually make sure that data is auditability? How do we trust the data? Um, and what? how are we going to use this data also when it's, a, it's part of the confidential uh, data sets effectively when you're talking about the business models, um, the business models of the big uh, the LSPs that are working towards kind of um, yeah moving your goods around in the best way um, without disclosing too much about their operations as such as well. 
So it, it was a really interesting journey. And then I think the biggest takeaway was that it, it's building again, going back to this one end of the collaboration. But on the other hand, um, it's also about setting out your procurement mechanisms correctly. So we can see that the, the procurement mechanisms that the, um, the more we talk about data, um, you need to be specific also about what you want to do, uh, what data you would like to get, and what purpose do you want to get the data for? Because you can talk about like getting all access but all of the data, and then you get swamped in the data. And at the same time, if you don't ask the data upfront in your, in your procurement, um, you might end up with saying like, sorry, we don't want to share this with you. And whilst you can make it a really important criteria, for instance, talking about emission intensities and then talking about like how, how they are going to talk about decarbonizing your efforts um, and make that a criteria in your procurement and make that also a measurable one um, that they can report against. Um, and that's what we really do at Smart Return. How do you make that kind of standardized uh, reporting against um, uh, yeah, within every procurement moving forward? Really good. Thanks for clarifying that. So it's clear that we see the value of data. It's clear we see the need for collaboration. You know, where do you see if you put on your kind of pull out your crystal ball? Where do you see us by the end of this year or next year as far as having access to more granular data and maybe some pilot projects that come out of, you know, that project or what you guys are working on at Smart Freight? How close are we to getting a really granular good view way downstream to the bottom like product level move? Yeah, so um, we are we are quite excited that we're going to work here together by the end of this year um, with the World Business Council for Sustainable Development here, where we talk about like can we do product level emission calculations as well. So, if you talk about a single bottle of shampoo, how much emissions that, did that bottle create in terms of its production, in terms of the raw goods, but in particularly also in terms of its logistics um, footprint. So, um, I think you'll see kind of moving in that direction. Um, and, and that will only pick up more in the coming year and the years to go, next year as well. Um, however, I do also need to recognize that a lot of the IT systems are still very much out of date. Even though we have fantastic solutions online nowadays and they can provide every single digital bit and connect everything, the systems with internal to these major organizations are still a little bit out of date. And it takes years to really kind of ramp them up and move that into the next session. So um, we're excited to pilot and, and test some of our guidance here. Um, but I'll be realistic here. A lot of organizations are still going to struggle here in the next couple of years to really get this integrated within their, their kind of systems. I agree. It is a hard ask and there is a, a value trade-off that has to be asked among shippers that want that data is how valuable is that granular data? And if you're in a position where you haven't started reporting emissions or aren't being asked by your, your C-suite to start doing so, <clears throat> the juice may not seem worth the squeeze in that example. But if you're in Europe and you have future road tax or cap and trade regulations coming, um, it's very clearly a need. I think here in North America, we've lagged behind in that regard. I don't think everyone should get comfortable and think that will always be the case. So my advice whenever I talk to someone is if you haven't gone down that path yet of starting to understand and report or at least benchmark at a default level your supply chain emissions, you're behind. And the first movers will clearly have an advantage when the winds change. Yeah. So, And I can only scone that here. Like we see like even though sometimes we talk about in Europe, the emission trading scheme is going to be expanded to, to also to the logistics sector. And even though it's a few years out before the full legislation comes in place, 
But if you're at that time in place coming, coming to start to use and, and measure your carbon footprint, you're well behind in terms of the, of, against the sector, against the industry. And we see also that all of the multinationals are now kind of using our standards and guidance, but are also demanding from their supply chains to really take action. And we see organizations willing to kind of say, we need to be kind of moving in 2025, reduced by 30, 40% sometimes already. And, and, and those are significant asks. And um, we're glad to help them along this journey. And, and data, accordingly, is a crucial step there. Um, so I think if you want to work with the big multinationals, you need to invest accordingly to make that available. Wise words. And I would, I would add a bit of urgency or a little fuel on that fire by just saying, if, if you think about a carbon pricing world where it's $5 a ton, it really only is a problem for the largest shippers in the world. But if we're talking about today's environment where it's $110 a ton of carbon in the ETS, it becomes everybody in their networks problem because that is an enormous cost of capital just to operate your business as usual, let alone making any changes. So I would just make sure that people understand the winds of change that are blowing when it comes to pricing carbon out because the prices are continuing to rise. Yeah, and beyond that, I would argue, going back to the procurement principles here, in that sense, going back to, to what we see that the big shippers are moving to, to use and adopt and demand from their carriers and demand from the organizations to go, um, they are looking to, to select a, more, a greener carrier over a non-greener carrier. And you need to prove and show that. And, um, and, and that data and understanding there for the methodology of the calculation, providing that data, training your drivers to decarbonize, optimizing your networks, optimizing loads, all these matters are really crucial steps towards this. And that steps you can do today, instead of just waiting for this brilliant electric vehicle that comes around um, in a year or two, in two years, three years time. Precisely, especially when we might still be waiting on the grid to decarbonize when that EV is running around. You know, it's funny you mentioned that the multinationals are looking to prioritize green freight procurement. You see something similar already happening in the world of upstream, you know, chemicals and energy and oil and gas, where low carbon products, product level declarations in those sectors are really being valued. And you have a supply differentiation where I will pay more for a low carbon molecule than I will relative to other products or other sectors like freight, right? We don't have, and it's because we don't have a clear way to, until a glut came around, we don't have a clear way to differentiate one supplier from another relative to their emissions. But now that we have these digital tools, we have shippers looking to incentivize that behavior. It feels like, you know, we're just at the beginning of a, a pretty massive shift in freight procurement towards greener opportunities, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think it was just literally an hour ago, we were talking about um, how much of the fuel providers can actually decarbonize as well. And, and these fuel providers, they see this as the big new market as well. And we know all of the shippers are interested in this as well. So it, it is a growing market. And, and yeah, we're glad to be part of these contributions here in the, the GLAC framework and the GLAC methodology here, um, helping them drive that standardization. We've been happy to have you on today. As always, I've learned a lot. I hope our listeners have too. We'll have to get you or another team member on to Net Zero Carbon to talk in a little bit more detail about some of these ideas and maybe even the concept of insetting because that's one I geek out about. So we'll have to do that again in the future. Thanks for joining us today, Rick. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to meet you and speak to you here again, Tyler.